okay, one of these days I'm going to remember that, that this microphone doesn't work unless I turn it on. <laughs> so, but here's what you know. All this stuff that I said when you weren't listening, man, that stuff was golden. I probably can't recreate it. Never will. Just know that every once in a while you're going to catch some gold when I actually have my mic on. Um, I don't think I can recapture that thunder though, man. It was just actually I was I was probably I don't know <laughs> what was I doing. I don't. I was complaining about COVID, having a brain fog. Um, not really having a brain fog, but having a brain fog. Uh, not really having the COVID, I guess is what I should say. So much as just that brain fog. Cup, a little bit of congestion, some sore muscles yesterday. Uh, but that's it. And then I don't know. We'll see how my brain. Is it foggy? Is it not? You know, is it always this like this? Because I've only done podcasts so far with my brain foggy <laughs> or with COVID. So as as I uh, get better, it doesn't look like I'm making a trip to the ventilator. As I get better, um, we'll see how it how it you know you'll be able to be judge. You'll be like, uh, you know, you're an idiot, Kyle. You're always an idiot. You don't just have brain fog. You always have brain fog. I kind of dance around the subject a lot. I jump around. As a matter of fact, this, I wanted, I'm running out of shit to say, to be honest. What the hell can I even say anymore? Here's what it is. We're at a point now where there's very little that I have of interest to anybody that won't piss somebody off. And and it's been so fun appealing to this broad base of people. Um, But I don't know how long I can sustain that. Because um, um, I don't. I talk. I'm stupid. I just can't. Well, am I stupid? No. I just, yeah. Yeah, aren't we all? Uh, <laughs> oh, man. So I think, I think well, you know, I'll probably end up talking about how I feel about some things. I don't see everything the same as everybody. I just keep coming to that, you know, that, uh, that I'm, I, I don't follow in the line. You know, I, I, I weave a, a woven course. <laughs> I don't get directly there. You've probably noticed that just in my speech. But I don't like to follow along, you know, blindly. I like to feel like I'm, you know, intelligent of some sort. And that I, that I, I take in information, weigh it, make a decision, plot forward. But that's probably not how I do it. It's probably more feeling-based. <laughs> But either way, when I start feeling like I'm going the same way as too many people, I really start to guess that, right? So um, that ends up having... See, like most people think, for just a stupid example, most people think that if your best friend's fiancé is coming on... Okay, now imagine you're single. As a single man, most people think that if your best friend's fiancé is coming on to you, you should not sleep with her. However, I don't see it that way. i I've seen this one in my chair too many times. It actually comes back in. Somebody's getting tattooed. We're covering up a name. I say the same thing every time. I don't really mean it. But I'm like, so why are we covering up this fucking whore's name? You know? Or why are we covering up this this asshole's name? Either way. You know, it's just a fun. It helps pass the time. I like to get the story. Because sometimes hilarity ensues. Or, or you sometimes you might come away with a different frame of mind. A different thought. And that's... So... 
I'm tattooing a guy, and I'm covering up his ex and his friends in there with him. And I'm like, so why are we covering up this whore? And, uh, well, fuck. That's exactly it, Kyle. She's a whore. I was like, ah, shit. You, your friends couldn't warn you. <laughs> no, actually, actually, I tried. That's his friend in the corner. <laughs> I tried, man. I tried. I told him she tried to suck my dick at a party, you know, after they were together. But he didn't believe me. He didn't believe me. And we didn't talk to each other for two and a half years. <gasps> what? Yeah, yeah. Until, you know, she was, he caught her fucking around. They had already had kids on. You see, I, I began thinking, but if that guy had actually screwed her, wouldn't his conversation go? I mean, sure, he's not going to be your friend for six months. But in this case, he wasn't your friend for years. And he still made a terrible decision. He had kids with this woman. He had That was in the rest of his life. But if, if you, you know, fucked her and be like, no, dude, I know the things that she says while, we're, while she's doing, you know, I know how she moves and he's going to be mad for six months, but he's going to realize you helped save him. As soon as he sees her cheating on the next guy that she's with, and she will, she's a cheating whore. <laughs> so as soon as, then he's going to feel better. He's like, ah, you saved me. You know, that's what you, your obligation, of course, at that point would just be to let him know right away. Like, hey. Hey, heads up, you you know, that that bitch is a cheating whore, and uh, I screwed her last night, you know. The sooner, you might even send her a text while it's going on. I don't know, maybe not. And you're going to want to be a safe distance away, you know, because he's going to be angry. But how else were you going to save him from making that mistake? Because she's much better at convincing him than you. you can, here's what I imagine went on. His buddy said, hey, your girl tried to suck my dick last night. He's like, what? Oh, my God. We've been friends since kindergarten. There's, I, there's, of course I trust you. I'm going to go tell his we're done. And then he started talking to her. And she was like, oh, honey, but you know how I only like the taste of your dick. Let me show you. Ha. <laughs> And he's like, man, I can't, in the middle of that head job, he begins thinking, well, I can't believe this guy's such an asshole to me. We've been friends since we were kindergarten. This, now, now he's trying to screw up my relationship. I don't need him in my life. I guess I'm just learning. Yeah. Well, so I don't see things the same as everybody else. I, I, I do, however, uh, have a bit of advice on relationships. And I think it's valid. It, it's, it's helped me. It saved mine at one point. I came to a realization. Uh, did I come to it? A lot of smarter people than me <laughs> research this shit, and they come up with ways to stay together. With And I've been together with my wife for some time, and even after the Ink Master. Um, I shouldn't say, like, oh, wow, even surprised. But, you know, I, I, I could have got laid. There, there, I've never been pretty a day in my life, but Ink Master dolled me up and put me on stage there for a little bit, and a lot of these soccer moms thought that was hot. It seems to me that's what you got to sell it to. Like, I mean, where were these girls when I was in high school? That's what I know. You know, all these coming out of the woodworks, they were nowhere. That's, that, that's why, number one, the best advice, I guess, for a good relationship is to get with somebody that's pretty fucking cool. If you, if you get with an asshole or a bitch, you probably ain't going to do so good. So number one, there. However, if you from there to keep it together, what you have to maybe know is that what, what keeps people in a relationship. Actually, you have to know that. Not just maybe what you have. You have to know what keeps people in a relationship. And women stay in a relationship when they feel appreciated. And men stay in a relationship when they feel strong. 
it's kind of both appreciation. Men feel the appreciation of being so we, we kind of need to feel strong. If as a man you are ever not feeling strong in your relationship, as strong as you have felt before, you look through there. I bet you've been appreciating her a little less. Guaranteed. Right? It, well, maybe not, but I say yeah. And I'm never wrong. Uh, so, um, sometimes that that's why I say don't get a name tattooed on you. If a man has his name on you, he is going to appreciate you less. And, and it begins eroding the relate relationship. If you want to stay with uh, your wife, your, your significant other, you, you have to make her feel appreciated. You can't yell at her in front of her friends, family, co-workers, or friends. Because that's going to fuck you right up. You ain't going to do it. You can't do it. And if you're a woman you want to stay with a guy, you got to make him feel strong. That's pretty pretty easy, though. Uh, we're we're kind of dumber. We, we, <laughs> we're easier to fool, too. You can just phone it in. But, of course, women... They can't phone it in. That's the nice thing about a good relationship. A woman cannot phone in making you feel strong unless she's a devious, devious cunt and she's just taking your money or she's screwing you over some large way. But when when she, when she when they're emotion, when at any one point in time you're emotionally invested in the relationship, a woman's going to have a real hard time um, making you feel strong if she's not feeling appreciated. It's, they, they, they're, they're too honest like that. Are you sure they might not? be able to tell you, you know, it might be a lot of silent treatment, but it, <laughs> you haven't appreciated her in some way, you know, send her some flowers at work, I don't know why that, I mean, women are weird, right, they like things that aren't functional, like, they, they want you to think, see, that's, that's why, that's why flowers at work work, because they show that you're appreciating her, you took time out of your day to take money, expensive, Spencer, you know how much it costs to have somebody show up at work with fucking flowers? And now all the bitches in that office are all like, oh, fucking Karen thinks somebody loves her fucking cunt. And they love that shit. Now all these people think they appreciate it. Now, now same, conversely, yell at her in front of those same people. <laughs> oh, I knew that Karen didn't wasn't really loved. She fucking, he just sent her that because he yelled at her. You follow? So that's all, that's all I got, really. Is that, see, everything from here on out, I feel like um, we're going to start to step on toes. We're going to start to to piss people off, and they're going to be a little bit um, angrier. Like, I'd be better probably, to, and I do want to. I need to figure out some of the, um, some of the technological, like, I need to figure out a way to have people onto this podcast and not have it sound like a robot inside of a vacuum. Because that's what it's been so far. The the products that I've tried to use so far have have sounded pretty terrible. And I've got a lot of a lot of interesting interesting people. Like my life is surrounded by interesting people. That's the best thing about my life is how interesting the people in my life are. Uh, tattooing, you know, it can attract some of the worst of us, and you know, it also attracts the most interesting of us, which are oftentimes the same, I suppose. Um, so I would like to have that. I would like to have my friends on here. I would like to have uh, people that have influenced me throughout tattooing. And I'd just like to, every once in a while, I live in Flint, Michigan. <laughs> Which I laugh every time I say it. Because I'm still like, why the fuck am I here? Um, but I live in Flint, Michigan. And there's Flint stars out here. Like, people that are are just freaking amazing. One time I go up here to the to the speedway i'm buying the most flint shit ever flint's where we got the bad water 
I don't know if you remember it in the news. It's always in the news for something bad. Either GM's leaving, we're having a young school shooting. We had one of the first. I don't know if we should be so proud of it. <laughs> a six-year-old was shot by a five-year-old back in the day, and pin a rose on our nose, now we're special. Um, hey, look at Charlton Heston showed up. Uh, that was when I was a kid. When I was a young guy. Uh, now we've moved on, and we're poisoning people. We're like, bullets? That's so yesterday. Oh, we're ahead of the curve on killing. So we've we poisoned a bunch of people with lead here, um, and it's Flint. But everyone, so I'm going up to the Speedway after we got back from um, a little vacation. We we travel all the time. I guess that's why I can stay in Flint. The living is so cheap, and I don't really live here. But you know, half of half of the year is when I'm home. You know, I spend a lot of time away. So we come home. I go to the Speedway. I'm getting rolling papers. It's legal here in Michigan. And uh, I, it was legal first in Flint. Am I getting far enough off topic? Like, we decriminalized it in the city of Flint before Michigan ever made it legal. Uh, anyways, <laughs> or recreational or even medicinal, I think we, we, we had started that. So like I'm saying, we're, we're trendsetters. And be careful. If we're trendsetters, that means they're poisoning your water very soon. <laughs> so I'm going to Flint. I'm getting a bottle of water. And some rolling papers. But while I'm going there, you know, it is Flint. Um, if you're 1 in 19 chance of getting, uh, of being involved in a violent crime. Uh, or being assaulted, I believe it is. Something like that. It's bad. And so, uh, I look across the street and I see four cruisers, four police cars. Which is a relatively high number. And I'm like, wow, that's a lot of cruisers. And then I look even deeper. And now I see the blue colored. So, like, that's Genesee County's come out. That's where Flint's inside of. That's the four cars you can actually see. And then Flint has, like, the stealth cars. So you can barely see them at, at nighttime. This is at nighttime. And there's, I don't know, I couldn't even count as many. And then I see all this activity of all these police officers walking around. One of them was getting a long rifle out of his truck. Whoa. And now as I'm walking past these people at the Speedway, there's a crowd gathered there. Hey, excuse me, sir. What's uh, what's going on over there? And I stop. Because <laughs> that is interesting, you know. It was a shootout. It got explained to me there's a shootout over there. <laughs> it was explained to me that there's a shootout going over. There's a standoff now, I guess. But it was a shootout, and all these people have gathered around and are not, like, get the fuck, find cover. I guess they're just waiting, you know. I don't know. Some, So nobody got shot that night. But I, I pause because when this guy is telling me about it, I no longer care. Because uh, this guy is so damn unique. He's a Flint star to me. He's like, what What the fuck? First off, part of his eye, um, or his eye is like missing. His head is like kind of caved in on that side. But this is an old injury, right? But here's the thing that got me. <laughs> His glasses on that side are all bent like it's something that happened recent. Like, I don't know how they're staying on his head. I'm, like, just transfixed. Like, how are these glasses staying on your head? Because the one side is not over your ear. And and yet your face is, like, your your eye is, is disfigured. <laughs> and I, I, like, put on, I don't know. It still pauses me. I don't know, you know, but that's Flint. Things just don't work, and people accept it, and we move on, <laughs> and we don't we don't make changes to it. You know, there's places here that they just flood all the time. You know, oh, is it, it can't, you can't go down Grand Traverse today? Oh, again? What well, did it rain? Yeah, it's raining. Don't go down Grand Traverse. Um, 
don't go under excuse me don't go under Fenton Road Grand Grand Funk Railroad Grand Grand Trunk Railroad if you will uh, but the locals here that remember that old remember uh, Mark Farner and Grand Funk Railroad and uh, they started around here uh, Terry Cruz is from Flint um, Kyle Dunbar is from Flint uh, I don't have you know, I, I should you know that Mark wrote me down some questions topic questions because he wanted me to talk about things that people are uh, responding to online and all that excuse me uh, I keep burping I don't know what's wrong with me I've had too much coffee today usually I put chicory root in my coffee so I don't get too amped up or I don't ride that roller coaster of amped and then so I can keep it to a minimum but I ran out of chicory root and then to keep the coffee tasting the same you gotta add you know regular amounts of coffee so I still like the same volume of liquid to drink in the morning but unfortunately uh, now it's like double amped caffeine it's like I'm, I'm on it. so I don't know I think that's why I'm burping all the time I so excuse me uh, people have asked though and, and Mark would like me to answer what kind of tattoos do I like to do and why I like to do black and gray tattoos I think there's beautiful color tattoos and I've seen some color tattoos last but it's just been my experience I don't like to inhibit people's lives too much with my tattoo and once I tattoo you color in on you fucking stay out of the sun you motherfucker like you're you're gonna fuck it up <laughs> I have seen portraits as they age color portraits and things like this and they just don't age a color doesn't age the same as as black and gray uh, or as black and so, so I like black and gray simply because it's going to last longer. I, I have a feeling, too, that it helps. Somebody told me. I don't know if this is true, but somebody told me we dream in black and gray, that we don't dream in color, which somebody else is going to tell me it's full of shit. I don't know. Here's what I know. When I remove a level of something, right, then it's not as real, but that kind of gives it a, a nicer or a more ethereal, a dreamlike state. That's what I feel. Um, I mean, it, even if you're, you're doing it with color, you're using usually adding a filter, if you will. You know, you don't see everybody's pores in the tattoo unless the tattoo has pores showing through underneath it, you know. I guess I'm only talking about colored portraits in this case. But color itself, the sun uh, lightens it just like a laser will. And as it lightens, it breaks it up. And as it gets broken up, your body absorbs it. And yellows and oranges disappears. And sometimes surprising colors disappear. And you're left with just undertones or just, you know. And that's been a fight that I haven't I haven't wanted to figure that out, I guess. There's probably a method to it, you know. But it's a time-tested thing, too. So our ink, uh, by the time you are able to test how long the ink is going to last in somebody's skin, you've been tattooing seven to ten years at least. You know what I mean? Or that's a seven to ten-year-old's tattoo. You might be able to tell what it looks like three to five years and start getting an idea of how it's going to fade. But seven years is, is a long time in, a, in the history of your tattoo lifespan too, right? What, you're going to tattoo 40 years at best or something like that? So that's, that's ju just under a quarter. You following me? Um, so your real experience with it, my, what I've found is black and gray. It's awesome. Uh, it lasts. It, it stays in the sun. And I also, I, 
as I talk about the type of the style of tattooing, I should also talk about the types of tattooing I like to do. I like to do all kinds of shit, really. Um, I'm not a big fan of doing new school stuff because the rules are too strict for me. And and, and I know understand why they're there. They're they're important, you know. I uh, but sometimes it's. I, <laughs> It, it may, it may, some people are going to look at me like, rules of new school, that's not that hard. But for me, it is, you know. I like doing things that come out of me. Uh, flowers, skulls, demons, angels. I like uh, putting organic leaf work with, uh, with, with realism or, you know, I, I like to use that to shape the arm. I, I like a certain amount of um, geometric work. But usually just as a background to something, to a subject, you know. When I see it, I'm enthralled by uh, geometric work. But it's really boring for me to do. You know, I, I just, I mean, I love the outcome. Same with portraits. That's the way it was. When I first started doing tattoos, that's why all I wanted to do was portraits, portraits, portraits. I really wanted to one day just do portraits. And although it's fun and it's cool, uh it was like it was just cool when it was done. It was like I was just doing it for the pat on the back. Like, oh, that looks like a person. And it didn't feel like I was... I didn't like it as much. Not for me as much, you know. I do them, and like I said, whoever's going to get that Inigo Montoya... <laughs> uh, or something similar, man. I love I love uh, Pan's Labyrinth. I love, I love Guillermo del Toro movies. I love a lot of cinematic movies. And that's, I guess that's the difference. When you're doing a portrait, Olin Mills put everything together perfect to capture this life moment for a second. But they didn't want to capture drama. Nobody wants overly dramatic tattoo or, or portraits generally, you know. They do that half-face thing they used to in the 70s. I don't know if they still do it. In the 80s, 70s, there was always that half-face. And that was that's actually a cool idea, you know, for tattooing. That works, but... Drama. So, like, if you're going to do a Scarface, uh, right, when he's got a pile of fucking cocaine in front of him, uh, Brian De Palma made that scene very dramatic. So there's moments where the shadows are heavy and dark. You might not even see the whole side of his face. But it's that's what makes it kind of beautiful. Art. I like doing that kind of cinematic art better than I like doing people's family members nowadays because it's, um, I don't know, it's not as cool. It's not as cool. What I really like doing is looking at somebody's arm, taking a ballpoint pen, and starting to go with just drawing something. Abstract, often it has teeth and a tongue, or maybe an eye. <laughs> it's got one piece of color uh, so that I can take things into the background. Color can bring things forward, but it really should, it kind of sets things back. Rember explained that to me. And, uh, and I've seen it ever since then. He's explaining a lot of people see that color brings things forward, but I actually, for me, it pushes things backwards. And I've seen that the same um, as, as new school artists use, use uh, open space to bring things or to push things backwards. If that, and they use color to push things backwards. The, the foreground, some people have this, and on Ink Masters, they had this idea. I remember they criticized Craig Foster's uh, he did like a Philadelphia Eagle, one of the first tattoos he did on there. It's when I realized how awesome he was and that he was probably going to win and should have won still in my opinion. 
he did a Philadelphia Eagle, and they explained that if he had uh, put solid black in like the back of the of the background, or not the background, but like the back of this character, then it would have pushed these uh, these other parts forward. And that's working off the idea that black sets things back, but it doesn't. Black generally brings things forward. And I'll explain that because contrast is close is best close. I mean, the highest contrast is close up. As we see into the distance, we're looking through dust. You know what I mean? Uh, we're, the things in the distance are actually gray. Unless you're in some kind of special, like if you're inside of a room, Leonardo da Vinci kind of style, yeah, black will set things back. It's a, it's a poorly lit room. That makes sense. Black will set things back. But if you're outside, then black uh, adds more contrast. And as it has more contrast, it actually pulls those things forward. And that's one of the things that Craig was working with. And they were they were chewing him up exactly the opposite of what it was. So right away, you kind of looked at it, and you're like, these guys kind of, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. They're backwards from reality. But for them, I mean, but you're having to live in their reality. So good luck, you know. That's what's kind of, what kind of tattoos are like. Is that, that isn't what kind of tattoos are. That's a, uh, well, Mark. Actually, Candy Candy came up with it. Mark seconded it. <laughs> the name, um, com straight to the point, completely off topic. I guess it kind of makes sense. And, and it's working with my COVID brain fog, too, if that's what it is. I think my friends would probably tell me, no, this is. I got one friend that's been listening to these podcasts just so that he can pause me. <laughs> he says this one thing he's always wanted was a pause button on me. Uh Oh, how much money did I make on Ink Master? That's a good question. Uh, I made $432 a week, I think it was. And that was claiming 10 dependents. My wife told me to claim 10 dependents. We needed the money. She was like, get everything. I don't want it. So uh, each episode, I made 215 bucks or something like that. So uh, basically, I went broke as shit. They don't pay you, like, so if you watch the challenge, I'm quite positive those people are getting paid a salary. Now, as as contestants came back, I heard rumor of people like Jason Clay Dunn and Hibbert, Joshua Hibbert getting um, 1000 to 2000 a week, or possibly an episode, which might have been 2000 to 4000 a week, because you do two episodes in a week. Um, there wasn't a lot of money coming from it. You were there, I was there to test myself. But you were there to uh, to make money after the fact if you weren't planning on winning. You know, you, you were going to try and hope that... I wanted to change my clientele. I wanted to be able to have control over my clientele so I could start to figure out who the fuck I was. Instead of continually tattooing every idea that people wanted to come through the door and being this kind of, I do everything. And I didn't want to do that because if you do everything... No, no one's going to come to you for one thing, you know? And, and in the longevity of tattooing, uh, if, if I can't figure out who I'm going to be, like, i, I got to figure a style that I can still tattoo when I'm crippled. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> when I'm not so... <laughs> so, I'm planning ahead. That's what I'm saying. Uh, when my back's broken, uh, I don't want to be sitting there doing... A bunch of geometric artwork that's going to break my back and my eyesight even more. So maybe more loose fitting tattoos. That's a 
I shouldn't, I feel, you know, this isn't something I've maybe realized even before I'm talking about it. I should just stop because maybe I'm selling myself short or maybe I'm revealing too much. Remember, that was my concern as it was. See, you're going to get to know me and people are going to be like, oh man, this guy's a douchebag. He doesn't even care about his craft. Well, I do. It's just I also need to be able to make money in the future here. So, (laughs) it's why I like abstract work maybe. You know, because you can't judge it. You can't tell me it's wrong. You can tell me it's weird. You can tell me you don't like it, but it ain't wrong. Uh, There's also this question here, what kind of tattoos don't I like? I don't like tattoos that uh, have a bunch of rules. Really, that's the number one thing for me. If it's got to have everybody else's rules... And that's why when people come in and they start giving me their tattoo, sometimes it's a great idea, but as they can, they, they, they shackle your hands, you know, your freedom as an artist, and they start to take it from you. They're like, that's, I think I've already talked about it too, when people are always talking about, uh, do whatever you want in the background. I know the way to make you want to do this, or to get a cool tattoo, is to let you do what you want, but I need to have all these things. In my tattoo. So I figured I'd let you do whatever you want to with the background and make it cool. That'll be fun, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, you're actually, you're actually making it far worse. Like you're giving, you're just like you're dangling what, you know, the, the thing that you desire. And, and at the same time being like, you're never going to reach it, bro. You're never going to be able to reach this. Because if you put too much in the background, the tattoo in the foreground looks like shit. Like, uh, you know... But what kind of tattoos don't I like to do? Customers come in all the time and they they tie your hands. The good thing, like if you're good about it now, I've learned to not accept that. (laughs) To point out real quick, because there's always, it says uh, there's always the point where they stop what you just did. This always happens. Like where you where you're working with them, you're drawing in front of them, either on their skin or on paper or on your tablet, and you're working with them, and then they say, "Oh no no no, like this," you know, and then they say, "But wh- whatever you think's cool, you know, whatever you want." And you're like, "No, stop, no, not whatever I want, cool. We need to point that out right now because every time I've tried so far, you've stopped me." Oh yeah, I guess I didn't think of it like that. Yeah, okay, well it's that's the way it is. You keep I keep trying to make it cool and you're like, I don't deserve a cool tattoo. Let's try to make it fucked up. I don't know why people do it. Sometimes I've seen them so it's it's the biggest study for me is my clients is like why people make certain choices. I know I made a lot of mistakes tattooing, uh, getting tattooed, and so I, I I'll use those to help other people know. You know, I'll be like, hey, look at how crappy this is. Don't do this. We're trying, we're doing this. Uh, you know, that's that. <laughs> how much of the critique is legit? Uh, the critiques are legit bullshit. I, I guess we're talking about Ink Master here. That's a question here. How much of the critique is legit? Uh, they're, they're, they have to fill time. Uh, Paul Hogan, a former director on there, gave us a formula, and he said something like, it takes one hour and 45 minutes per one minute of film. I swear to God, I almost think it was one second of film. He said it like a like a contractor when you're asking, you know, hey, how much would it cost to build a house? And he's like, how many linoleum foot is it? You tell him, and he immediately has a number. 
it's not the perfect number. It's not what it's actually going to be, but roundabout, he knows that he can build this many a lineal foot for this price, and so he can just multiply that real quick and say roundabout, you know, give or take accessories, hardware, that kind of shit. Well, Paul Hogan was this awesome director. It's funny, it'd be like he would move you in a line. That's a very important part of Ink Master is they have to line you up. God damn, it takes so fucking long. That's why I was yelling at, at Ashley is because how long it takes him to line us up. And then she went off uh, for a long time and I sat down. And I just sat down like I'm just going to. And then they pulled my stool from me. You know, they were like, if you got something to say, say it. And I'm like, I ain't got nothing to say. I just want to sit down. <laughs> like, no, no, it's going to mess up the line. They filmed this line and it's so important to him. I don't like. It was amazing. They would move you from here to here, depending on the shirt you're wearing, size, like, and they would have you step over inches. Well, as they're doing that, Paul Hogan would be doing it. He'd be working with the control room. He's the director, and he says he would talk to you and say, "Okay, we need to move you." And he'd be listening to him in his ear and says, "Okay, I'm going to put my hands on you now. I'm going to move you to the right three inches." And he would gently touch your shoulders, and he would move you to the right. And it was, it, to me, it was very professional. Well, Paul Hogan knew how much, you know, his he, he was very professional. And he knew how much time it was going to take to get that. Well, thinking of that, of that formula, one hour and 45 minutes of film for one minute and, um, for, I think I'm getting all my notifications noises in here. I'm sorry. For one minute of, oh God, is that, now I'm, now I'm messing up everything. (laughs) There we go. Just turn it off. There we go. I think. Probably just paused everything. It's probably not recording. Man, I've been doing that way too much. Talking endlessly. Sometimes I think I got good stuff. And then I'll realize I wasn't recording. Actually, that's how I started this one. I opened up with that. Kyle, you're getting way off target. The critiques are mostly bullshit because they have to just say so much stuff so that they can get that 20 seconds. So that it's not the same thing. Sometimes you hear the same critiques over and over. Sometimes you hear a critique that goes against the critique that they gave prior. You know, like they beat up Melissa one day about lettering. The very next day, they're sucking Scott's dick, even though his lettering doesn't work in the exact same fashion they describe. You see it. If you're watching, if you even ask that question, I think it's because you see it too. You know, they're making an entertaining show. The number one thing I have to take away from that is they're making an entertaining show. If they don't then what good was it, right? So, unfortunately, that means that a lot of the truth will be sucked out of it, if you will. I watched the challenge, right? The challenge is kind of fun to watch, and I like the competitions, but they always fuck up them competitions by editing it down, Frankenstein editing it, just for drama. But now I wonder, if I had seen those competitions at some point, maybe it's just there's a clear winner, you know? And you're watching for ten more minutes, uh, just watching this person continue to lead, you know, there's no drama involved. Well, so they have to create that drama. And the same, they create that drama on the challenge. They have to create that drama on shows like the Ink Master for them to be good. If they're not good, then you don't listen to my podcast. So I'm so glad that they make them good. <laughs> I really, um, I really hated them. It's taken a long time to come to a healthy perspective on that. That's what I have to keep coming to and just keep remembering. Entertaining show. You benefit from the entertainment. You know, you as an artist, at least. Do you guys benefit from it? I like to think you do, but there's a lot of 
a lot of people watch the show and, and I get the critique that we would like more meat and potatoes. We really like the tattoos. We really like seeing the tattoos. We could do without almost any of the drama. We could just watch people doing tattoos all day. Like, that would be a good YouTube, actually. I mean, who is it? John Twazan? John uh, Twazan, I hope. I, I don't know how to, like, if you saw his name, you wouldn't know it was Twazan. <laughs> Tawazan? I don't know how to, I don't even know how to spell it. <laughs> but he does YouTubes. He's got a play button. Which is a big deal, actually. My my son, know, I only know because my son watches so much YouTube, and uh, and a play button means that you've got a lot of people watching your YouTubes. Well, John travels to tattoo conventions, and he tattoos us doing tattoos, and it's, I think he does very entertaining um, videos. The one, it, it wouldn't even be a complaint, but I think people who watch Ink Master may be sometimes just interested to watch somebody's time-lapsed pit, you know, film of a tattoo being done. I've, I've attempted to do that, and I just get so uh, bored with it, or the camera over my head will be in my way, or the battery will die, or the lights will, will quit working, or some technological problem has just made me be like, I don't even want to bother with this. But I think there's... I really like watching tattoos in, in pieces come together. I really like watching oil paintings coming together. Uh, and I watch that on YouTube a lot. So I think I think there's a certain level of viewers of Ink Master who would like that. And so as the show went on, we we, hate, we liked it. I say we. I didn't watch it too much when it went on. But people would come up and they'd share it with me. You're like, oh no, you see the tattoo for like two seconds. You know? I feel like they took the meat and potatoes and they just kept giving you all icing. You know, and you're like, where's the cake? Where's where's the the substance? You just keep trying to give give me all the drama. Um, I think should I keep going? This they, they're asking me how I got into tattooing. I'm gonna keep going because uh, Candy wants me to talk for as much as an hour. I can't believe anybody would listen that long. But she says, and she says you can go off topic like that. I guess people are interested in me going off topic. You just want me to be me. Which, again, I can't imagine that. Um, but, whatever, I'm moving on. What is it? So, how did I get into tattooing? I sold marijuana to tattoo artists. I was selling marijuana. That's how it was. As, I mean, is that true? Kind of, mostly. Uh, I had a friend who was getting free tattoos for the most part because he was bringing in people. And a lot of people say, yeah, I can do that for you. I'm like a walking billboard, and then they try that. And if you're a tattoo artist, you probably run into that person who said, dude, I'm a walking billboard for you. Unless you get one free on me, everybody's going to be lining up at your door. And, uh, yeah, they will. They'll line up for free tattoos because what's-his-dick is out there telling everybody how much it costs them, too. But co- co- uh, my friend Colin Jinks was really one of these people. He could get people into your into your chair. And... Uh, and, and he did. He got me to go to one of his artists, to the shop that he liked. He, he knew that I was making decent money because I was working and I was uh, selling marijuana at the same time. So I was doing siding uh, on houses, construction work, and I was selling marijuana to all the guys that I worked with. I remember when I got the siding job, I got in the, in the truck the first day, and he said, uh, he says, okay, the only thing we need to know about you Kyle is is uh can you pass a drug test? And I was like, what the fuck? 
because my friend who got me the job was definitely a pothead. And I was like, what the, like, uh, oh, you're pulling my leg. Well, I said, well, I brought a quarter. And he said, I brought a quarter ounce. And he's like, oh, yeah, you pass. <laughs> and that was, and from that day on, I started selling to each one of the guys that smoked at work. And so I was making a paycheck off the guys. Um, I, I used to hustle when I was younger. <laughs> I don't, not so hustly now. Um, but I guess I actually, because I did the, the crime and I did the time and I decided I would never sell weed again. I got other hustles. I guess I sell artwork and things, you know, but, uh, I'm never selling drugs again. There's no reason to do that, that kind of time. It's not, it's not worth it for me. At least I'm not good enough at it. And, and it, most people would think they're good enough at it. Usually find out that they're not. And you're like, I'm going to get away. I'm going to sell drugs for it. Well, no. If you're in that, you're in that for a certain lifestyle for a short period of time and make the best of it because you're going to end up in jail. You know, you're going to be there for a while. Uh, probably not marijuana now, but you know drugs. Drugs are changed now. Marijuana is no longer a drug, I guess. Or, but, so that's how I got into it. I was selling marijuana and so i had a ample amount of money colin recognized this he wanted to get more free tattoos from his artists so he needed me to get a tattoo that i would pay for and i did I, I came in and i got this tribal piece on my back um and i started to get the idea that i would tattoo but only to tattoo myself because i love tribal artwork i'm, I'm quite i'm that idiot i was like i love tribal i'm gonna have my body covered in tribal uh but i can't tattoo my own back I was going to save money and do my own tattoos. I was so, everything about me seemed wrong. I don't know how I'm, where I'm at now. <laughs> I don't know how it, and maybe I'm not that high up. So, so maybe I shouldn't even act like I'm somewhere in the level of, you know, tattooing hierarchy. But, uh, from where I came from, boy, if I, I'm leaps and bounds. <laughs> so I was selling, uh, so, so then I began selling, you know, trading marijuana uh, for tattoos and, and selling to the guys there when I wasn't getting tattooed and gleaming information. Uh, Colin would give me some kind of information because they actually started teaching him to tattoo as well. Uh, and so they honestly told him not to tell me things. <laughs> they were like, dude, don't tell Kyle things because he's, he's the, in, the, in the old days, nobody wanted you in their industry. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of like a fishing hole. If you you don't invite people to your fishing hole that you don't know, you know what I mean? If you don't want to spend some time with them, and even then you might know somebody and say they're selling you weed. <laughs> hey, yeah, we're great. We're good friends. But you still don't want them fishing out of your hole. There's going to be less fish for you. That's that's the general consensus, you know. If you get everybody, I've seen it. I tattooed, I taught so many people to tattoo uh, in, in Genesee County that eventually I don't even tattoo in Genesee County, you know. I got too many, too much competition, <laughs> and now I have to, I have to redesign my, or reimagine my, uh, my client list. I have to remake it. Um, that's how I got into tattooing. It was a, it was a long. I had to give up. At the time, I had just started uh, my own. Well, I guess I was about two years into. Um, my own no that's not true now i think about it i started selling to them getting tattooed and then thinking that i would buy this 
equipment. Eventually, I started my own business doing siding and roofing as well. And, uh, and, and I was one to two years into that when I finally decided I was just going to go all into tattoos. And uh, to go all into tattoos, though, that's, that's how you get into tattoos. You throw all your passion into it. Um, be prepared to uh, not be with your girlfriend anymore. It's, uh, that happened. And thankfully for the best, because she was, she was a terrible person for me. Um, she wasn't good for me. She was always jealous. I, I, I would tattoo a girl, and, and it wouldn't matter what this girl looked like. Ima- she would imagine that I was being impri- improper. And that was before, that was back when I was on my P's and Q's. Before I, now I'm, I probably am improper, or, or, I don't know, in a funny way. <laughs> Is it funny? Um, yeah, I like to think it is. Is it? Yeah, I shouldn't say improper. That sounds... Nowadays, uh, what is it? Twitter's going to go off and suddenly Kyle's harassing people. I, I've never sexually harassed anybody tattooing. I have made off-color jokes an awful lot. Um, and will. And will continue. I've never said anything to anybody that I wouldn't in in private or anything like that that I that I wouldn't also say in front of people uh in front of an audience to me it's always that that's it I'm when I'm tattooing actually it's like I got my own little audience I love it because <laughs> uh I can test jokes on people I can um and, and the whole time it's under the threat of pain so if they don't laugh you know, well, we just got to keep tattooing. And like, now you know what? I'd, I'd almost rather listen to his story. It gets painful enough. Uh, <laughs> go ahead and tell me one of your stupid stories again, Kyle. That's how I got into tattoos. Is it how I got into tattoos? I think I got off topic about how I got into tattoos. Why am I not a fan of Harry Potter? I am a fan of Harry Potter. Uh, should I not be a fan of Harry Potter? Um, I don't even care about J.K. Rowling's... I have yet to see anything that tells me she is transphobic. I'm tired of of uh, something I'm trying to point out to my son is like every time there is a group that has been oppressed, once given the opportunity, they don't seek peace through mercy. They seek peace through justice. And oftentimes they don't even seek peace through the justice. They really just look for an ability to do the same to those who oppress them. They want to hold them down. And I feel like there's the Twitter's become that somewhat. And I don't know. It, 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 everything has a push. You know, they, like they, they, they're making us get the vaccine. More and more people are worrying about vaccines now. Not just this vaccine. Now people are growing. We're, we're growing an audience for the anti-measles uh, vaccine, anti-polio vaccine. You know, there's always a... a a reaction, you know, a pushback. Ralph Waldo Emerson and his son were trying to get a cow into the barn one day. Inclement weather was coming. There was a rainstorm, a thunderstorm coming, and all the cows had to get it. But this one bought Bessie, she just wouldn't move. She just, and the harder they would push on her backside, the more she would just dig in and resist. That's what happens. People dig in and resist, and sometimes the harder you push. I certainly find myself to do that. Well, a, a, a smart nursemaid came out, and she she actually let the cow suckle her thumb and led it into the into the barn. These two Nobel Prize winning, well, I don't know what to, but smart people, and they couldn't figure that out, and that happens to smart people all day. 
I think that there's somewhere there's that, that beautiful medium of of uh, where it's more understanding than it is. I want to force my. I I need you to come away with my thinking. Nobody comes away, even when you prove people wrong nowadays. Like they will, they will talk to you, and then you you will show them where they were wrong in their you know uh, in their claim. And and you can tell though that they are not taking that as their new truth, that they are still too stuck inside of their world. Like a lot of people can't come out of that. They can't come out of the world. Because they will lose support. They will be ostracized from communities that they've grown. Like a, a flat earther. I mean, the wor- I'm sorry, guys. It... Okay, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm an idiot. But I'm pretty positive. Pretty positive the world is round. And I don't know. For, I'm not a scientist. I don't know any of it. But here's why I think it. Because it would take too many people to pull off that conspiracy. It's just that conspiracy that large would be impossible to pull off. Sorry. you got to have too many people uh, into that one. It, the one that gets me is the air is the people flying planes, you know, like airline pilots or, 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 or uh, a sniper who has to account for the curvature of the earth in, a, in his bullet. Like that, that calculation needing to be done, uh, <laughs> it rests on the earth being curved and oh well anyways but sometimes you can prove things to people and they will they will not come away with that as the truth because they would be ostracized this this flat earther built up his whole world his whole his whole community and his whole belief structure and he, he, they, they have jokes about people who believe the world's round and that they've enjoyed that you know and they share things they become family and now, now you prove them wrong, and they're like, oh, shit. I can't tell my friends this. I, I can't lose my friends either. I would rather be ignorant. That happens more than just with flat earth, you know. Um, it, religion, uh, oftentimes, science itself is, is slow sometimes. Not science. Science is quick to accept uh, facts or, or possibilities uh, um, and theorems and stuff. However, scientists are very slow. Because they, they get built up in a world. And suddenly, if if a, a theory is proven wrong, that they've based a lot of their research on, they can become nobody, you know? And so that can't be true. That happens in politics and, and so much. Um, I don't even, Oh, and this all started with, because why am I not a fan of Harry Potter, isn't it? Uh, I'm not uh, not a fan. I'm not not a fan. I am a fan. I, I like the Harry Potter ride at the Universal Studios. And, uh... And all that. <clears throat> um, my son is not a fan of J.K. Rowling there. Uh, he feels that she is uh, transphobic. I'm still waiting on more proof. And even, I got to tell you, transphobia, homophobia, all these things are things that I've seen throughout my time. I don't say that they're right, but I know that there's that sweet spot. You're not going to get somebody who is transphobic or homophobic to change their opinion by telling them they're stupid, by telling them that they're ugly or or, or not, you know, uh, or or or, or um, an asshole or not cool or, you know, you're almost good. Just like you can't get someone to wear a mask, 
Like, like we tried, right? We were, we like put mask mandates out, and people were like, "I ain't wearing no mask." <laughs> like, okay, it's 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 because you mandated it, really. Um, if you put it on people's politeness, perhaps. Um, I'm not saying more people would do it, but I do mean to say that more people would have an easier time doing it. They'd have an easier time, like you build up resistance, strongholds against your your forces. Um, and um, and that's why I'm not a fan of Harry Potter. <laughs> I am a fan of Harry Potter. I don't know, like the there, it's stupid. Okay, Harry Potter is kind of stupid. Like, just it, here's the problem with with these. Like, or I'm stupid. That's what it is. Harry Potter makes me realize how stupid I am because I don't care to know. Uh, Star Wars. Now, I'm I'm more not a fan of Star Wars. I know that pisses a lot of people off. Oh, you gotta love Star Wars. No, Disney took it over. I don't gotta love Star Wars. If I can, Disney ruins everything. Uh, Star Wars has become a franchise, and when it became a franchise, uh, it's it it went downhill for me. Okay, it's just they didn't they didn't before it was there was a lot of things that I could love. I tried to watch The Force Awakens and wanted to vomit. Like such poor. Uh, script, storyline. I didn't understand why Princess Leia would get demoted to general. I, I, I would think she'd be going to queen. I guess she lost her planet, can't be a princess anymore of a planet you don't have. Somebody pointed that out to me. I still like was like general, huh? And and Mickey Mouse wouldn't let him kiss. Remember that? They couldn't kiss. It's like, huh? She's too old. Huh? Yeah, no problem having having uh, anything else kissing in there. Didn't they have some some uh, some gayer scene or something like that at one point? I don't know. I've only heard. I've stopped watching it. Star Wars no longer appeals to me. The Mandalorian doesn't appeal to me. Um, this new Boba Fett thing doesn't appeal to me. I feel like it's all now so tested. Like, what would a test group want to see? Like, they want, they just want you to want it so that they can then control what you buy. And I started, I mean, Star Wars started out awesome at the beginning because it was something we all liked. Critics didn't like Star Wars. There was very novice storytelling in Star Wars. And let's keep in mind, too, like, everybody wants to suck George Lucas' dick. He just ripped this shit off, okay? It wasn't like he just, like, I've got this great idea. He reimagined The Fortress, a movie called The Fortress. And, and and he told it through the eyes of the droids as opposed to the eyes through the eyes of a slave. Usually uh, a samurai movie is going to be about the samurai, right? Well, in this case, it was the slaves of the samurai. And and then he, so he, he put the droids in. Uh, all this stuff existed in someone else's... You know, it the, the beauty of Star Wars is the art. And that's what brings people back, I believe. It's certainly not those storylines where the Force just happens to have very... I mean, you feel like it's not even science fiction. It's more like science... It's like it's actually not even science. It's more like fictitious religion. And in which case, then you're just like, it's religion. <laughs> like, like, the Force saves everything. It's very similar to the writing styles of... Uh, of the Knights of the Round Table. Wasn't that it? Who's it? Queen, uh, King Arthur, Queen Ven- Guinevere, whatever. Like, like he would imperil his doom. And then magic. Magic happens, saves everybody. 
And you're like, I don't know. You can like, I want to believe a hero is a hero. That's, I think, why I like Pan's Labyrinth. It took a lot of courage for that little girl to go down that gross fucking tunnel. I wouldn't do it. It was a little girl. But you got Han Solo out there who can't fucking miss even though he's just shooting blindly. Meanwhile, he's getting shot at by stormtroopers who can't... They're trained stormtroopers and they can't hit the broadside of a fucking barn. Aren't they supposed to be like Jango Fett or Boba Fett, like, clone? But yet they suck at at hitting anything like why are they so bad at shooting um good the force you know just the force it, it to me it's it's a cheap writing style you know that doesn't get you enthralled as much but back when i was young at 13 even younger when star wars first came out that was it was awesome and then you noticed it got a little bit worse with the ewoks like imagine there wasn't ewoks on that planet that that helped them and i know that yeah first they all had to get imprisoned um, you know, and then they had to worship the see through. But, but all of that, they don't win if that crazy little happenstance didn't happen. And people overlooked that a little bit until Jar Jar Binks did the same thing, and we realized he was George Lucas was just doing the same cheesy, cheap writing tactic over and over. Then Jar Jar Binks fell off of a tank or something like that, ended a whole war, like. Like, that was the Ewoks. I'm sorry. It's it's too... There was a little bit more pieces to it. It wasn't just like, ah, Ewoks, ha-ha, all this. I mean, at least they had to suspend logs in the air and have big traps that don't even make sense. Like, how did they do that so quick? They got all these vines that can hold up 1,000-pound logs. I mean, when a log swings, that's six times it's... Fly- at any rate, uh, <laughs> sometimes my brain doesn't work with things being sold to me too cheesily and, and nowadays they spoon feed it to Ooh, baby's coming or you know trains coming into the station mama birds coming down here you go little baby this is the, the script this is the storyline so many things in the force awakens didn't make sense for me that i just gave up watching that's what happened um first off where the fuck is osha like where is osha you know like isn't there some standard for construction you just built a perilous pit and, and and fucking you're gonna go meet your estranged son out there on this on this un OSHA approved, uh, you know there's no railing on that thing. <laughs> like Han Solo met his son, he hadn't seen him in years. I heard some bad things. Hey son, maybe come over here. Let's talk. Let's talk over here with my friends, amongst my friends, not on the perilous pit of doom. We'll you know come over here. Uh, <laughs> but I think Han Solo's character like. It was Harrison Ford. He had to know that that once the mouse took over, he was like, just get me out of this. I never want to be stuck in this Star Wars hell again. I've had a good career. (laughs) You know, I don't want to be here. Uh, Kill off my character, please. Yeah, have the son kill him. I don't care. He don't care. He don't care who if Greedo shot first. Didn't he say that stuff? Come on. If Greedo shot first, then why do I give a fuck about Han Solo? He's not cool anymore. Like, like he should have died. He got lucky. If Greedo shot first underneath the table and he didn't blow him away, Greedo is a bad shot. <laughs> Greedo is not a good opponent. It's like Force Awakens. Where was the bad guy? Who is the bad guy? The, the guy that's crying about they're having two droids and goes and destroys his room with his lightsaber? Oh, Mom, there's two droids. I'm so angry. I'm tearing all the posters off my wall. 
Oh. I don't know. Star Wars. Star Wars. Star Wars. Star Wars. Star Wars. Star Wars. Uh, people like it. They just fed you cameos, though, in The Force Awakens to make you think you liked it. They didn't have good script. They didn't have good storytelling. I'm, see, I told you I was going to piss some people off. <laughs> I can no, I can't. I can only appeal to a broad base for so long. Um, and now we're talking about things that matter. <laughs> you were talking about the vaccine and politics prior. That shit don't matter. You're fucking with Star Wars. The reason Star Wars is cool is because of the artwork. This is all the iconery, the artwork, the toys. All that shit's what made it cool. And now uh, we just moved on to a different time. It's not cool anymore. Not for me. Anyways. Um, let's make that good, right? Let's. That's an hour long. That's plenty. I, I might do another one of these right now, too. Uh, but even this one could stop. I've, I've stumbled over my words long enough, right? Uh, and, and uh, yeah, and I have. I have. So we'll do more. We'll talk again. Again, I got to get a sign off. I thought it could be, and I'm spent, um, which is kind of funny. I liked it for a time, but then I did it once, and I was about to do it just now, and I was like, and I'm spent, and I was like, ah, that's cheesy. You're real cheesy, Kyle. Uh, but anyways, I am spent. So there. <laughs>